two of the most dominant men in pro wrestling history will clash at WrestleMania 30. Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. If anyone can defeat the streak, it'll be the beast. Brock is the, uh, the hungry, unstoppable force. He has his sights on the streak while Taker is wanting to keep his legacy alive. Join us tonight as we start off on our three-part series on ending the streak. Tonight, we'll be talking about the world-famous, the phenom, the Undertaker. So, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us tonight for Talking Elite. I am joined by a great panel tonight. So, first off, uh, down below, we have everybody's favorite bearded wonder. We have Adam. Adam, thank you for coming on tonight, brother. How you doing? I'm I'm good, man. I'm excited for this, uh, this little three-parter, man. It's one of the most shocking moments in professional wrestling history. Like, just that face. All I see is... The, the guest movement face guy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, like it's 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 a very exciting uh show for sure. Uh next we have the five star man himself. We have Mr. Jacobs. Thanks for coming on, Mr. Jacobs. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be talking about my favorite wrestler, my favorite character of all time, the Undertaker. Uh the main reason why I am a a fan. Uh so let's do it. All right, man. Well, hey, let me ask you this before we get started. So, on the Undertaker's entrance, is it bong, gong, or dong? Because no, it's definitely it's bong, not the third one. Yeah. Well, it's if it's bong, one. wouldn't that be RVD? Oh, uh, that's a good one. It's a creeper joke. A sleeper yeah. joke on you. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, for Dong, it'd probably be Val Venus, you know, so. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> oh, he's choppy. And, yeah, he's choppy, choppy. <laughs> choppy, choppy. <laughs> and high. All right. And then finally, we have the ring leader of the All Elite Zone Circus. He is our producer. He is half of our graphic workers. He is the biggest CM Punk fan to date. Please welcome Connor. It's great to be on. Uh yeah, doing a three-parter, so. Yep, this is the first one in all Elite Zone history and Talking Elite. So uh, thank you guys uh, so yep. much uh, for listening in as we get started. Um, for those of you guys that were watching last night on our uh, Wednesday night stream, uh, just before we get started talking about The Undertaker, uh, Connor just announced that we will have a Canadian um, group for the all Elite Zone. all Elite Zone Canada will be dropping here very shortly. So uh, we'll be excited for that. So make sure you guys stay tuned for our socials. And while you guys are doing that, make sure you guys hit the like button down below. Hit the bell. Subscribe on Spotify, wherever you're listening at. We thank you so much for listening. Now let's talk about the great Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. So do you guys know? Here's a, let, me, let me ask you a little bit of a trivia question. Who mm -hmm. was Mark Calloway's first official opponent? 
So as well before he became the Undertaker, this is like even pre WCW. Mean Mark, okay. He was Mean Mark. Yep. I think it's called Texas Red. I'm gonna throw a wild one out there. I know Undertaker wrestled at ECW a little bit. I'm gonna say Stunning Steve Austin. Nope. Hmm. Adam, do you know? Sid Vicious? Nope. So, Mark Calloway, his first ever wrestling character was called the Texas Red. And his first match, he got his ass kicked by Bruiser Brody. Oh, that? Oh, oh that's, that's some good trivia. That's good trivia. Wasn't that WCCW? Yeah, that was like right before WCW, yeah. It was WCCW. It was down here in Texas. Did you go yeah, to WCCW here in Dallas? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> oh, there goes Mr. Jacobs. Uh, he was having, I, I couldn't hear it in his mic. He was having audio issues. Yeah, yeah. so no worries. So, yeah, so yeah, his first ever match was against Bruiser Brody. And it was also the first time that Paul Bearer was his manager. Paul Bear at the time was known as Percival Percy Pringle the Third. Yep, Percy what a great Pringle. name. Yep, got his ass kicked, and that's where he would or he would learn really about the professional wrestling business was from Bruiser Brody kicking his ass all over the ring. So, other like little quick little thing before I start talking about his WCW career. So he was also. Um, he was also a champion um, where he defeated uh, Jerry Lawler for the United States Championship um, for Continental Wrestling Association. Sure what happened. Where he would be, where his character would be called the Pain and Punisher. So yeah, little uh, little trivia there for um, the Undertaker, Mark Calloway. And it's just crazy to think that somebody like... Okay. Yeah, you're good now, I think. Yeah. So could you guys imagine... I'm not sure. Hey, he sounds still a little. Yeah, you're off. still sounding a little off. So, we do apologize to a little bit better. I'm gonna get out and come back. No worries. All right, yeah, you're fine. No worries. Yeah. All right, but did you guys? So, could you guys imagine having Bruiser Brody in his prime against Undertaker in his prime as well? No. Could you imagine that crazy of a fight? That would be like, interesting to see. My mind would be blown. I mean, that was, that's that's just that like also Bruiser Brody doing both that and then balancing over to his international stuff, and then you know, you know, Mark Calloway do just coming up as a fresh new face in professional wrestling. So I could never imagine that that would be the first pairing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see, Mr. Jacobs. Mr. Jacobs, are you coming in all right? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, yeah. No, that's much clearer. You mentioned uh, Percy Pringle. Is, is that Percy Pringle? Percy Pringle, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the, the Paul, uh, Paul Bear. Who, what does Santa call his name? Uh, Chris, Chris Pringle. Pringle. Chris Pringle. Yeah. <laughs> <that>. yeah. <laughs> Chris Pringle, meet Percy Pringle. 
Right. I've always heard really good stories about Paul Bear. Like he's one of the nicest people you can ever meet. I wish I could have met him. I really did. Yeah, just from the story that I hear about him, like he's like one of the nicest people you could ever meet. So Yeah, it's kind of you know, if you look at too, like he was like a legit Paul Bear. Oh yeah. Yeah. He legit worked in the funeral service. So. He was a mortician, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Mark would make his way to WCW as Mean Mark. And he would team with Dan Snivy. Is it Snivy? Is that you say his name? Dan Snivy as the Skyscrapers. <laughs> Skyscraper. Mm-hmm. He would also be managed by Paul E. Dangerous, too, during that time frame. They are known oh, as Paul Heyman. So, just you know, it's crazy to see like how how both their careers kind of separated and went after you know WCW. It's crazy; they, those mm-hmm. two are bigger than WCW ever could have been. Yeah, you know? that's true. I didn't, yeah. haven't thought about that, but that that is kind of a a good a good thing you can say about it. Did you guys um, do you guys remember any matches that he had in WCW? I really I can't remember any of the matches he had because I really, I, at, at, at that time, I would just watch, you know, kind of sporadically. I wouldn't, I wasn't like a like yeah. hooked on it yet, but I would catch it every now and then. And, and this is before I, you know, I would get into it. Like, like, you know, I wouldn't really get into it until he was the Undertaker in WWF. Then I was like, okay, I get it. I'm, okay, I get it now. This, this, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this forever now. There was uh, one match I remember. Can't remember which year it was, but uh, it was Mean Mark versus Lex Luger. I can't remember which year, but was that a Mer- Great American Bash? I believe one of them. I, I want to say yes. I remember seeing that because I used to have a VHS, and it was The Undertaker, and I remember against Lex Luger. Uh, it, it may have been for a title. I don't know, but I know it took place at Great American Bash, whatever year it was. But. He he actually wrestled in ECW surprisingly. Uh, he wasn't like the Undertaker is a person that you wouldn't think wrestled anywhere else besides WWE. Like like imagine Undertaker in, in AEW like that would be <laughs> out of the ordinary. Right. Just like breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> breaking the fourth wall. You know, but but looking at it too, you know, he didn't get treated the best because during that time frame, good old Ole Anderson would tell him that. There's no place for him. He, no one would ever pay to see Mark Calloway. That was no one would, he would never no. make money. He would never be a draw. How wrong was he? <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was He was also in the mix of WCW that still had all these old-time big names in there, and he was just lost in the mix, you know, right. that he wasn't going to really go anywhere in WCW. Imagine if they, imagine they, they did even if they did keep him, I don't think he would have had that really good run in WWE. I don't think he would have had it. Because WWE did stuff, well, in that time period, it did stuff a little bit different than WCW representing a character like that. Like The Undertaker. Yeah. Like WCW, I don't think they would have been able to pull that off. No, especially with... Uh, I'm trying to remember who the guy who was running WCW at the time, like the, the president. Um, who was it? it? I couldn't remember who it was. The pizza guy? No, no, no. no. The pizza guy. Yeah, (laughs) maybe the pizza guy. Um, (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Let me figure this out. I have to do my research. 
But you guys keep talking while I'm doing my research. No, you're good. Chris Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's crazy, too, is so while he waited for his contract in WCW to end, do you know what famous movie he was in with a certain um, larger-than-life superstar? Urban Commando. Urban Commando. That is correct. Yeah, I remember that. He, he had, had a small had role in Urban Commando. And that is where Vince McMahon got word from Hulk Hogan that this kid, this giant, was going to be a star. So that's how the Undertaker got his name mentioned in WWE was because of the Hulkster. I think he overexceeded us super. <laughs> Bill Watts. Bill, Bill Watts. Bill Watts, Bill yes. Now boy Bill, Bill Watts. Bill Watts wanted Watt wanted a certain different from WWF at the time. WWF was all gimmick stuff and like family stuff. WCW was more like wrestling and tough stuff. So yeah. Wouldn't make sense. You know? Yeah. So Mark would get the call. He was so worried that he was going to come out of the giant egg during Survivor Series because that was the time when, you know, they had two debuts the night of Survivor Series in 1990 as you had the Undertaker and the gobbledygook. So Mark had been watching TV. He's like, oh, shit. I'm going to be coming out of the egg, ain't I? I would be all So that would bring us to one of the best Survivor Series tag matches so in 1990, he would make his WWF debut, being led to the ring by Brother Love. So crazy, you know. Have you guys have you guys gone back and watched that match? What, what was, it, uh, was it Ted DiBiase that announced him? Yep. Yeah, Ted DiBiase says mystery partner. And yep. the funny thing is, it was the Undertaker. But originally, you know, he was supposed to be called Kane the Undertaker. Kane the Undertaker. Didn't he have a few dark matches with Kane? He did. He did. He had a few back when Kane was. Actually, they had a few matches back in the day. Um, for I want to say like say like Smoky Mountain. It was an independent back when Kane had like the bot the 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 Unabomber whatever. So Kane going on with the whole red like yeah. football stuff and the <laughs> hockey mask. So Kane was supposed to be the Undertaker, or no? It was supposed to no, be called no, Kane so the Undertaker. So what happened was Kane's name. Yes, that was what, happened, name. what yeah. happened was um, um, Bruce Pitt Pritchard came up with the idea of calling him Kane the Undertaker because he had this um, this character idea that was based on Kane and Abel. Um, yeah. And if people don't know about Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel were brothers that pretty much try to outshine each other and try to outdo each other. Um, I think it was in the Bible. I can't remember, but Cain um, Cain killed Abel with a rock. Yes, Cain killed Abel with a rock. Yes, um, but yeah. it's just brothers. So there's this idea, but they called him Cain the Undertaker. But they then he dropped the Cain and he just went by the Undertaker, which is you know crazy yeah. to think what's going to happen later. You know. Having <laughs> your yeah. your brother come back for revenge after oh, being killed alive, your brother. And at that time, he came back. At that time, Glenn Jacobs, the guy who plays Kane, uh, was playing uh, the that dentist, the Doctor Isaac Yankum. Yeah. Yankum's DDS. <laughs> DDS. Yeah, screwed up teeth back then. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, those are disgusting. If you guys like, for those of you guys in the comment section after the podcast, because we don't want to ruin the whole show for you. No. But no. go look up pictures of Doctor Isaac Yanko, because oh <laughs> gosh, he had the worst teeth. I have bad teeth, but man, he had the worst. And like, they're so- a little better today. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of work. <laughs> I, 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 went to, teeth. I went to meet Kane one time, and we had that figure, of that that character, and. I did it worse than the figure, I think, in real life. Which side note, do you guys know know what King does today? He's, He's a mayor. Mayor yeah. of Knox County, Tennessee. <clears throat> Very political. You know, a lot of people kind of lost respect for him because of his political views, but you know, everybody's gotta have different views, but well, that's Queen Jacobs, though. That yeah, yeah still be Jacob. fans of King. Yeah, that's not King. It's, uh, it's, it's like it's corporate cane. <laughs> it's corporate, yeah, corporate cane. Political cane. Political cane. Yes, there you go. Political cane. Because didn't he choke slam somebody through like a table at one of the like his mayor fundraisers? John Cena. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you couldn't see him do it. Which uh, <laughs> right? You couldn't see. You couldn't see John that t- time. He was choke slamming an invisible person. Yeah, yeah, he was there, but I just couldn't see him. Yeah, he was there. You just couldn't see him. Yes. <laughs> You just couldn't see him. You know, um, let me ask you guys this. Do you remember who he eliminated during the Survivor Series tag match? The Undertaker? Yeah, do yeah, you know who he eliminated? I'm gonna take Hard times, baby. Hard times. Wow. Dusty wow, Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, that was his premiere. Dusty Rhodes gave him the rub. Or his debut, yeah. Yep, yeah. and on his debut in WWF. He eliminated the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. I do remember that, and they took and they took a fight in the back. Yep. So crazy, like what a crazy start for for Undertaker, you know. And then he was just off to the races from there, you know. Think you know, think about it. He had you know Brother Love for a little bit, and of course he dropped Brother Love and brought in Paul Bear, controlled by that magical urn. It's just it's crazy to think that this you know this immortal immortal being is controlled by an urn. Did they ever say what was mm-hmm. in the urn? Was did they ever tell yeah. like that part of the lore? Well, the, CM Punk the, ashes, the ashes of his mother, I believe. Yeah, CM Punk technically took it like in their fury, took all the ashes out, and I hope it wasn't real ashes. I no, I, I guarantee you, it wasn't real. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I'd be sick if it was. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you guys the next part of trivia, okay? Who was Undertaker's first WrestleMania opponent? Jimmy Snuka. Yep, Superfly, Jimmy mm-hmm. Snuka. Okay, awesome. You know, that was, that was that another was the, uh, He tombstoned him on the outside, rolled him in, and pinned him. And that's when Jimmy Snuka did, like, the whole shaking thing after getting tombstoned yeah. on the outside, so crazy isn't it like just to like that's a huge name back in the day to like to yeah. win over you Jimmy know Snuka is a wrestler that it's like those uh larger than life characters well for for, for me it is at least for watching wrestling almost my entire life jimmy snooker is the name that when you hear jimmy snooker you at least for me like seeing him dive off a cage he's the first person yep, i was about to say yeah, I'm about to say is the first person in WWF history to dive off the cage. I would love to. I would love to have been there for that. You know, and we'll get to the next. You know, big dive off a of structure later. 
Oh yeah. yeah. The most the most famous moment of two specific wrestler careers. So um let me ask you guys this. Who did who did the Undertaker beat at that year Survivor series to win his first world heavyweight championship? I'm gonna say Hulk Hogan. Yep, brother. You got it right, yeah. brother. Yep, so he beat Hogan. And then from there he was just an unstoppable force. You know, going up against you know likes of like Giant Gonzalez. You know, oh, he would, he would, you know, you also got to think about it too. You know, he, like the list of like his WrestleMania opponents is crazy, right? So I'm looking at it, right? So he beat Jimmy Snuka. That was his first one, right? And then mm-hmm. Jake the Snake Roberts to Giant Gonzalez, and then to King Kong Bundy. Oh, you know, that boy. first the first four year time frame. What a King Kong what Bundy. a crazy year. All Those right. are big so, names, really big names. Yeah. So, who was the who was the one that defeated Undertaker for the World Championship? Oh. Uh, mm. Bret Hart. Banzai. I wanted to say, oh, it was Yokozuna. Yep. Okay. Oh wow. And Cena, where he I was going to say Bret Hart too. Well, because him and Yokozuna had a series of matches back then, and they actually had that first casket match. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. How did they fit Yokozuna in a cat? Well, no reason. No, they, they made it, it was especially did. made for him. They oh, literally, yeah. like, yeah, so they had a series of matches, and, like, like, it wasn't just Yokozuna. Like, everybody else came out to, like, help, like, seal the casket up and like hammer it oh yeah and i remember it because it was they they showed him on the screen the undertaker and he like turned his head and he's like you can't bear it no it was um that was wrong it was the royal rumble it was 94 okay yeah yeah, you're right you're right you're right yeah raw is the where undertaker debuted the concept of the casket match for wwf and he's like you know yokozuna i'm gonna put you in this and and then at Royal Rumble, you know, the casket match happened, and like all these other guys came out and helped Yokozuna, like put him in there and like help him seal it up. So, how so, was, so what if Undertaker would have won? How would they have done that? <laughs> how, how, uh, Magic. Yeah. It's very hard to put a Samoan in a casket. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I do remember that all the heels came out and, and helped get the Undertaker. Into the, all in there and just make sure he stayed in there, and they all pushed him down there. It was pretty cool. Though. I mean, honestly, as a kid watching it, seeing all the bad guys take out one guy, he was like, "Wait a second here, somebody come help him." You know, as you know, it, it was it was that, great entertainment. I can't lie. I think the end part is when he did the video screen where he says, "You can't, you know, bury me and all that," and then like they did like the flash, and then they had like an Undertaker standing like get floated up. Yeah, from the screen, like it was the coolest effect I've ever seen. But it was this Titan Tron screen before it was like the big Titan Tron, and it was like Undertaker's body in the coffin, and it was being pulled up, and then the person was being pulled up by wires through the screen in in real life. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen as a kid. On TV, it looked awesome. Yeah, yep. So fortunately, at that time, Undertaker would then lose. After that, losing his, you know, after losing that championship, he would actually miss WrestleMania that year to recover from injuries, and then he would come back and have probably the worst of his uh, start of his Undertaker career, where he would go up against the fake 
Undertaker. Oh yeah. One was purple, one was gray. <laughs> yeah, one was gray. <laughs> <laughs> so who was the fake Undertaker? Do you remember who it was? That was uh what's his name? Um he was um Mean Mark. Brian <laughs> uh Proud Tom Brian Lee, I think I wanna say. Brian Lee? I now, could I could be off. There was always a rumor I heard in my life, but was there two people who played the Undertaker, the character? Like there was a fake Undertaker. There was so, a fake Undertaker. So like meanwhile, like the Undertaker we know today was the Undertaker the whole way through, because some people actually had me believing that there was a second person who played the character, and then they dropped it, and then Meanmark came in and then and, and took the character. I yeah, always, it was. I always wondered that. It was Brian Lee. Yeah, that's yeah. who it was. Who would go on to be Chains? Chains. Chains. Who? Chains? Who's Chains? Chains from um old tag team. God, I can't remember the name. Hold on. It kind of reminds me of Snakes. Yeah. Was it the Apocalypse? Snakes. Uh, the ring a bell. Let's I see. Could, uh, no, that's not him. Snakes is a New York. He went on, became Chains, and he teamed with. Let me see. Do you guys know who Snakes is from? Snakes. Jake the Snake. Oh, you said the you said the line exactly like from the movie. He so he went on he went on to team with uh Crush to be the disciples oh, okay. of, of Apocalypse DOA. Of Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so that's Brian. Is there like any other big moments like the start of his career that you guys can remember before he start talking about his like next big, like, basically his actual biggest opponent to date besides Shawn Michaels? No, I was a kid. I had a lot of VHS. I mean, Undertaker was my favorite wrestler. There's this one VHS with uh, I believe Mankind and the Undertaker, <laughs> and uh. Mick Foley lit Undertaker's face on fire with a, with a fireball. I actually thought it was real at the time because um, um, I'm like eight, seven years old, and like these old VHS, his face burns, and then the, then the next week he wears this thing over his. his Are head. you saying he's a wizard? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He might be, but I believe it was in your house. One of those shows where it was. Foley, it was in your house. Yeah, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that. There was a lot of in your houses back then, wasn't? Yeah. There? Was it yeah. every other pay-per-view that wasn't Mania, Rumble, and Survivor Series all in your house? For the most part, it's basically yeah. all in your house because you had your big, your big ones or your big four. You had uh, Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. So in I your mean, house, basically, their weekly show. Yeah, basically the weekly. I mean, you can see, you can look at it like that. Yeah. What if and like, I think to I think to me, I mean, like I'm trying to think like because. He had the Phantom on the Opera kind of thing going for a little bit, and I think that was whenever uh, King Mabel injured him. Oh, he, he, he had broke his uh, his over the bone. Oh gosh! And yeah, it was it was rough. And I uh, remember that, that drop. Yeah. Oh my god! That's oh. when he came out with that whole Phantom on the Opera thing, which was actually a really cool look for him. I thought it yeah. was cool. That's gotta hurt though. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I don't even know what bone that was, but just by the name of it, it probably hurt. 
So looking at, okay, so WrestleMania 11, uh, he faced off against King Kong Bundy. And then at WrestleMania 12, he would defeat Diesel. I remember that match. And after that match, the next night, um, Monday Night Raw would start one of the biggest rivalries of his career. Making his Monday Night debut, Mama Foley's Baby Boy. <laughs> Not Cactus Jack, mankind. mankind, where he would attack Undertaker mm-hmm. and put the manable claw. That's got to be the most. That's got to be the most disgusting and most painful move somebody probably could take as a submission. Not comfortable. <laughs> it's kind of like the walk to the Britt Baker does, but the way that they did, like their whole hands going in someone's mouth. I don't. Yeah. Well, at least Britt Baker wears a glove. At least, yeah. Right. Well, I know Mankind had that like thing on his hand, but but he never washed it. It's just yeah. he just took it, in, just took it in your mouth and went. Get, you know, he never really cleaned it. Yeah, that wouldn't be me. <laughs> One thing I, I do remember about the vignettes. I'll go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, one thing I do remember about the vignettes whenever Mankind was was about to make his debut was that he would be like in this dungeon-like kind of place with the, with a rat. And like he would be talking to the rat. And I found out years later that the rat was actually Jim Cornette's rat. He had a pet rat. It was Wait, Jim rat. Cornette had a rat? Yeah, he had a pet rat. And that was his rat that, that Mick Foley was using in those vignettes. I know what you're talking about now because he didn't, he didn't want anything to do with a rat. He didn't want anything to do with it. But, no. <laughs> but he knew if he did it, he was opening up the opportunity. So you had to seize the opportunity you, you get. So, yeah. yeah. I, did, I didn't know it was Jim Cornette's rat, though. That explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Jim Cornette, he would. I like Jim. I like <laughs> Jim so I see. I'm, I'm starting to come around to Jim Cornette. <laughs> slowly. I'm slowly I, coming slowly. around to Jim Cornette. I don't I agree with everything that. he says, but there's some things that. It's basically, like I said, Lego pieces. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hard I think, part. With, I, yeah, going, I think if it came down to wrestling, I'd listen to what he had to say. You know. Yeah, he, he does have some valid points sometimes, but sometimes it, I don't agree with something he says, but I mean, you can actually learn something. I wouldn't say learn. Well, yeah, you could learn something because of the amount of history he has in the wrestling business. Yep. Uh, Anyways. So, do you know that Undertaker almost won the Intercontinental Championship? Well, I, I, I didn't know he didn't win it. Well, mm-hmm. well, his first chance at it, at least. Yeah. So, Mankind would come out and attack the Undertaker during his match with Gold Dust. So, at In Your House 8... Beware the dog. Great name. Great, great name. Um, the two would face off in another casket match. I think the Undertaker likes casket matches. What do you think? I think he does. He's His record's not solid in them, but he likes them. Yep. Yep. So uh, basically, Undertaker would get so close, but Mankind would emerge from the casket. But at the end again, on the Mammal Claw, and would help Gold Dust retain the Intercontinental Championship. So that would set up 
their first match at King of the Ring. So 1996 King of the Ring, the two would finally face off okay, in a singles match. Kind of one of the more overlooked matches, because if you think about it, they had the Boiler Room Brawl, and of course, then the big one we're getting ready to talk about coming up here shortly, and there was this match. And going back and watch clips of it, it was a hard-hitting match. You know, if you look yeah. at it, The Undertaker really didn't get a whole lot over on Mankind back in the day. And that's what I thought watching it. I mean, I felt like I felt like they were making Mankind into this huge threat for The Undertaker, like this huge threat. And as far as for me, I was sold on it. I was like, hell yeah. Because I figured like it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to a huge, huge, huge match, like bigger than than you know anybody's seen before. And like you said, we'll get to that. Of course. Adam, what did you think about this time frame with The Undertaker? Did you like the story and the direction that um, they were going? I, with I thoroughly enjoyed The Undertaker-Mankind feud, um, especially when Paul Bearer switched sides and joined Mankind. Um, as, as a kid who's a fan of The Undertaker and you saw that, you're like, you know, how could Paul Bearer do that? And, you know, um, Mankind, like, just – the way those matches were just, they were very brutal. They were very like hard hitting, pounding. I mean, those are the times you see Undertaker throw mankind over the top rope and his head gets caught in the rope. And that's yeah. when you're seeing him like trying. And I don't know if it was King of the, or King of the Ring is when Mick Foley lost half his ear in that match. Um, it was one of those matches against yeah. Undertaker that he lost half his ear. Yeah. Um, and so, but watching it as a kid, I think one of the feuds I enjoyed in early WWF was that feud um, because of all their crazy matches. The Boiler Room match was one of my favorite, like, gimmick matches I've ever seen as a kid because I'm like, holy crap, like, they're fighting in a real boiler room. They're getting thrown through tables. They're falling on trash cans through glass. Like, I'm like, holy crap, this is, like, dangerous. One of these guys is going to hurt themselves. But at the same time, I'm like, it's awesome, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Undertaker's feud with uh, with Mankind. Yeah, and looking at it too, there was a lot of mind games played, um, especially leading up to their Buried Alive match. So that would bring us to the match with uh, Mankind and Shawn Michaels at In Your House 10 mind games. So if you think about it, the Undertaker started playing games back. You know, you play games, you win stupid prizes. For sure. <laughs> and then, of course, that led up to their, you know, second biggest match, besides Hell in a Cell. Um, you had the first ever Buried Alive match at In Your House 11. Nicknamed even Buried Alive. Uh, you know, like, what did you guys think about this match, like, watching it back? Like, did you guys, like, like was it crazy to see somebody actually get buried alive? Like, uh, this is the one where uh, Undertaker had the match won, but uh, someone who was it? Uh, who was who who helped mankind win that match? It was someone right? I think it was, actually, um, actually, no, it's match, the, Undertaker- actually, this match is the only buried alive match Undertaker has ever won. Yep, I won that. Undertaker won the first one, he I'm was burying him, and then oh, who was the character? It was like. Guy dressed up like a hangman, the executioner, 
the executioner. Thank yes, you. So he came out and started helping. And like all these other like other like people came out and started helping mankind bury the Undertaker, and they went so far up. But yeah. you know, like the way that they worked, that he wasn't really buried alive. No, the yeah. fact that his hand coming through, like the purple glove, was like just an image you would never forget. That was cool. Now, yeah. Now the one he so they'll make each other in two buried alive matches, and it was one one, right? They both won one each. I believe so. Mike, is that correct, Adam? Um, I believe so. Undertaker's been in two or three of them. That was the only one he's won because he lost. I know I'm jumping ahead, but he's lost. He lost the one in, in the, at the 2003 Survivor Series against McMahon. Yes, yeah, I thought he had one more match, uh, one more buried Randy alive Orton. match. I know Randy Orton. He lost against. Well, I think that one was a casket match. Yeah, I remember. I remember Kane ruin. I remember Kane kind of messing it, messing it up, and then that's how Taker lost. Him. Oh yeah, Kane. Yeah. Uh, Kane and Undertaker Kane in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I'm looking it is, at yeah. it right now. I have the list of his uh, his buried alive opponents. He had five. So first one he defeated mankind, which was the only one he won. Um, that happened in 1996, and then in 1998, Stone Cold would defeat The Undertaker, and then The Undertaker and Big Show. Oh, so okay, so it looks like okay, so it's like they um, so it like there was one more match that he had won. It was that wasn't a singles match though. So the, the his third buried alive match, 1999, The Undertaker defeated. Undertaker and Big Show defeat a Rock and Sock Connection. Uh, I forgot uh, about that one. And then, of course, Vince McMahon with Kane defeated Undertaker in 2003. And then Undertaker's last Buried Alive match, because uh, we're not going to count the one he did with AJ Styles, because I don't think it counts as a Buried Alive match, um, was Kane, Kane defeated Undertaker in 2010. Yeah. So, yeah. So, pretty interesting. He only won one buried alive match a match that he helped create uh, one one singles one because one i don't know how you can count the the tag team that one's weird <laughs> yeah, to me I, one that one's kind of completely out of my head that match because i guess yeah, it was, was a tag omitted. match so it's like i don't i didn't really remember it but i do remember all his other buried alive matches yep so kind of uh and fast I, and i agree with and I agree with you. I don't really consider the Boneyard match a a very alive match. I know uh, the Austin and Undertaker. The only reason I know, well, I watched the match, but after <laughs> I seen it on the game, but it, it's like it was a story mode in the game that it was Stone Cold Undertaker, and it was the Buried Alive match. Uh, and then later I watched the match. So after everything happens in 1998. We get the infamous Hell in a Cell at King of the Ring, where Undertaker threw off Mankind off the top of the cell. That was that was something. Just uh, if anyone's ever watched any documentaries or interviews or anything, like they really detailed how catastrophic that was. Yeah. 
because I think I'm. Go ahead. I remember the Undertaker talking about when they were on the, the on top of the cage. You know, when he threw him off, like he never got off, and then they raised the whole <laughs> hell in a cell, and then he was still on, and he was like <laughs> eighty, like he was all the way up there. <laughs> so it's not like I can get. It's like I don't know that no one's telling me anything. I can no communication with anyone. So I'm just up yeah, he here. Stood there. But like, what he should have done was go like this, like he does to cover the lights, and have the cage go up with him while he does that. Because <laughs> you know what? Because you know when he like raises the lights with his, yeah, he should have done That's that. Good thinking, the cage. Uh, but yeah, what were you gonna say, Mr. Jacobs? I was gonna say like I think watching as a fan at that time, and like I'm. You know, never seen anything like this before. Never seen you know, dude, just be hurled off of a cage like this. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell is he gonna is he gonna get up, finish this match? And like, you know, they, when they came out with the stretcher and everything, I'm thinking to myself, all right, he's done. <laughs> my God, over. I'm not sure. If, my God, you know, I'm not sure why they. Why, by God, why is this? My God, he killed him. You know, it was nuts. And then when he when when he came he came back, walks up. <laughs> the cage again i'm thinking oh my god are you serious what is this dude doing like and then like it, it was nuts the whole thing was nuts and like and i've never seen anything like it he gets slammed well, through the cage well now this is the part i was guessing to get to uh you know the undertaker said when he when he choke slammed him through that cage in the door like uh he said that if he would have stepped his foot on, on the same cage that he threw him with that the whole thing I know I'm not saying it exactly like the Undertaker said. That's why I definitely recommend watching. The, the, I can't remember which documentary it was, but the Undertaker explained it that if he would have landed a certain way with his foot, the way mankind did, that the whole entire cage was going to collapse and both of them were going to go down. Yeah. Like, uh, um, I was going to say for that match, uh, first of all, let's acknowledge the fact that the year before at WrestleMania 13, he beat Psycho Sid for a second. WWF yeah. Championship, so that was awesome. Um, but this match, holy hell, I completely almost forgot about the rest of that pay per view um, because of this match. Um, because of the, the King of the, and there was other good matches on that card. Um, um, that that card also included. I, I gotta look up the card, but it had really, really good. Um, people thought it was over by the time that he, like, it was just beginning when he got through off the, the stove. I mean, you look at some of these. You had the two. You had the two semifinals for the King of the Ring. You had Ken Shamrock against our favorite boy Jeff Jarrett. Uh, you had The Rock versus Dan Severin. Um, you had. Too much before they were too cool against Al Snow in the head. Um, <laughs> Xbox, you had yeah. Xbox versus Owen Hart. Um, you had the New Age Outlaws against the Midnight Express. Uh, you had Ken Shamrock win King of the Ring that year, Jeez. and then you had you know the main Man. event was Kane beating Stone Cold for the title in a first blood match. Um, so so even that. yeah so even that like everybody forgot the rest of that pay per view because of this match alone. And I just remember watching it going, oh, my God. And I remember watching a little bit, I think, of the same documentary that Connor is talking about. But 
Yeah. I mean, I think it was I think it was Mick's idea looking at Taker on the top going, dude, throw me, throw me. Like <laughs> we're gonna about to have a moment, yeah. throw me. And then he yeah. threw him. And then I remember Undertaker saying something like, I was looking down going, Mick, please just move. <laughs> like move, because he wasn't moving. Yeah. He's like, just move, because he was scared, like out of his out of his wits that he might have just seriously injured or killed Mick Foley. Um, and then he started moving and Taker was just watching. And obviously you saw, you know, uh, F- Terry Funk come out and all these guys come out and everything like that. And honestly, I thought that was the end of it. I honestly thought yeah. at that time at my age, I'm like, that's it. Like match is done. Like he can't continue. He just fell from a big ass <laughs> cage, but then no, here comes psycho Mick Foley back down the ramp again. <laughs> like screw off. And he's climbing, and then all I can hear is JR going, Undertaker's climbing back up too. They're going back up. And they're just going at it. And again, that spot with the choke slam. Yeah. And seeing Mick Foley go through and hit the mat underneath. And that impact, actually, if nobody remembers, is the one that knocked his tooth out. And it went right through and it went right into his nose. Um, but Mick has always said that if it wasn't for the extra padding on his butt, he probably would have broken his tailbone. Yeah. He actually had extra padding around because, you know, uh, his pants and hip area. If he didn't, he would have broke his hip or I, his tailbone too. I remember something he was talking about that, you know, when he threw him on like the door that like it, it didn't break, like, you know, the, uh, how do I say it? He he choke slammed him in like the like the cage door, I guess. Yeah. Like he like anyone watching, you have to go hear what the Undertaker and McFoley say about it, because I know I'm not saying it right. But if he would have I can't say no more. I, I I don't know how to explain it, but it would have been really, really bad if uh if what Adam said it and then he uh that door like he, he probably could have never wrestled again. And then I'm the psychopath had to bring out, and then the psychopath had to bring out tax too in that match. <laughs> like it's oh me just going nuts and just oh my god. And just the image of Undertake. I, I feel like there was a bigger mutual respect in that moment when Mick was sitting in the ring smiling as the Undertaker was walking up the ramp and then looked back. Like yeah. I felt like their friendship and like the the the, the respect grew like a hundred percent stronger that day. It's crazy. I believe like, it. Look at back, looking back, is you know not many. There's not, there's a lot of Hell in a Cell matches, but you'll never have such an iconic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, besides maybe the first Hell in a Cell, that has that's like I mean the most talked about moment, probably. Long past Mick Foley and Undertaker on Long Gone. You know, that was a little morbid, but that was coming from Mick Foley himself. You know, yeah. look, looking back, all the times he's talked about the documentary, there was a story that he was saying that when, so when Mick, that that Monday after the pay per view, Mick had to show his kids the match hmm. because kids at school hmm. kept talking about it, and he remembers like he had he had to explain. He had to go a little more detail about the business during that time frame as well. Yeah. So really crazy moment uh, for both Mick and the Undertaker because when you talk about both guys' careers, that's one of the first things that comes to mind is that Hell in a Cell match. And think about it, there's 
it's on every WWE intro now. Every time there's a new intro for you know the then now forever, you know it's you know, all that's the really one of the first things that you see is mankind can't turn off hell in a cell. You can't. There's no way anyone can top that because uh, no. I remember Shane McMahon did something like that, but at WrestleMania, but it still wasn't. No, he had padding and actually had. It wasn't crash pad. It wasn't. It didn't feel the same, even though the Undertaker was in it. It didn't feel the same. Mm-mm. I'd have liked to have been there front row to see that. Yeah, that would be. If I could go back and relive one moment in wrestling, that would be one of them for sure. Like sit there front row, like right where it happened. That would have been. That'd I actually be... came. I actually came across a rare photo on a Facebook page where someone posted the like a, a different view, like with a camera. <laughs> Of that shot of Mick getting thrown off. Really? Yeah, I wish I remembered which Facebook page it was on, but um, I saw it because someone posted it. Someone said, different angle of when Mick Foley was tossed in 1998 at Hell in a Cell at King of the Ring. And it was a crazy angle. And people say, it's like 20 feet down. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's fake. I would dare not ever do that. Ain't no <laughs> way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Especially at my age now, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Like the size of Mick Foley, a guy like that's not supposed to be doing that. Like his his size is there's no way. He like you would think he he would have died doing that. But he sh- he should have died. Like. You should like, yeah. yeah, like not to be mean. Love you, Mick, if you're listening. But uh, yeah, he there's no way like his size. No way he like I mean, the average man couldn't go through all that. You know? No, no way. Glad he had padding for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to break kayfabe, but uh, good thing he has a. Well, never mind. <laughs> he's, <laughs> never he's, mind. he's he's got a thicker frame than most. <laughs> High threshold for pain. I don't think he that's where Connor was going, but I I, I get it. Well, I get it. Just the uh, you know the. No, never mind. All right. No good. <laughs> the peaches, you know. Ah, yeah, that's just a thicker frame. <laughs> the peaches. But, but you know, looking at you know, Mick Foley does have a high threshold for pain. Yeah. Like, like, mm. it, but it's cost him. Like, thanks to DDP, man. You know, he saved he's saved. Curse. He, yeah, he, DDP's really helped him out so much. Uh, yeah, McFoley, Edge, and uh, McFoley went to that flaming table. That's probably one of my favorite WrestleManias ever. Then, like that match was probably one of the reasons. You know, McFoley of the year is tax barbed wire. He, he, he even did an exploiting barbed wire death match before one time in Japan, right? With Terry Funk. Yep. Yep. God love the Funkster, you know? So one thing that, um, before we start talking about Kane and Shawn Michaels, cause we'll say those two for last, the Undertaker had some crazy reinventions over the years. So, Ooh. and one of my favorite lines, I think we sound the show. It was me all along, Austin. <laughs> I'm, of course, talking about the higher power, the Ministry of Darkness gimmick, where he strapped Stephanie McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin to crosses. Mm-hmm. Talk about being edgy. 
I mean, they're pushing the envelope with that one. I mean, yeah, on the cross, yeah. <laughs> okay, how did they get away with it, right? But, uh, but ECW couldn't like they had to literally apologize for that. Like, oh yeah, with the Sandman, yeah, Raven. Well, I guess see, it's weird because what happened with the cross and ECW happened early on in its in mm. its conception. Um, mm-hmm. And it was Raven's idea. So literally, like, if anybody knows anything about ECW, a lot of the wrestlers, kind of like with AEW, but a little more open with their ideas. Um, whereas AEW, they, they're open to ideas, but they work it in a certain degree where they don't 100% have free range of everything. Um, they still follow some kind of script or some kind of story to it with that in ECW, Raven kind of went off on it. And it was crazy because Kurt Angle was at that show. And Kurt Angle was thinking about signing with ECW. Um, and Kurt Angle's a very religious man. Uh, he's very Christian. Um, yeah. So uh, they did that. And even um, Stevie Richards and Blue Meanie, because Blue Meanie is Christian as well, like, if you watch the ECW Rise and Fall of ECW um, uh, uh, documentary, even mm-hmm. Stevie tells a story. He says, "Blue Blue Meanie looked at me and goes, dude, Stevie, this is effed up, man. This is this is crazy, like that we're doing this.'" And Raven actually came out and had to apologize. Um, and uh, he actually you. used his re- he used his real name in the promo um, when he said, "You gave so and so." I keep forgetting his real name, but. He, said you gave so and so the respect of his privacy so i respect you know your religious beliefs and i apologize so the, but most of what wwf kind of took was ideas from ecw and that is kind of what they took from that was they took the cross idea but they redesigned it i think because of the way they redesigned the cross look they could get away with it cuz it didn't look like a regular christian cross yeah, so that that's probably yeah, how they got like the next that. Basically, it wasn't because it was the Undertaker symbol, correct? They kind of made. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna have that. Our power. <laughs> We're gonna oh, yeah. talking story time with Adam because the way you go into details of the stories is really really good. Yeah. Well, that's because I know we've ta- we've discussed it, and I mean Adam have discussed it before, but I just can't remember what the exact situation was in that but but i guess i think if they tweaked it a little bit to where they were able to i can see why so yeah i don't know it's it's just interesting to see you know the daughter of the company be crucified in the middle of <laughs> thousands of people but i feel like that had the probably the one of the worst payoffs was there any rumors that it was supposed to be somebody outside Vince McMahon, or was it always going to be Vince? Oh, uh, Christopher Daniels. There, That's who yeah, was, Christopher Daniels yeah, was one. Daniels. Yeah, it was, it was one rumor. Jake the Snake was talked about. Yep. Wow, that'd have been. Which is crazy. Which is crazy considering the history Jake the Snake has both with Steve Austin and the Undertaker. Right. I, I honestly thought yeah. that would have been a great twist because Jake the Snake had had stories with both Austin and Undertaker while he was with WWF. It, it would have been awesome. It, it felt like it would made, be it would have definitely more the, yeah. We get more layers instead of just a way to get back at Steve Austin 
because I feel like it had a lot of momentum going. It was dark. It was edgy. You had the brood. Um, I don't know who else was on there. It was the brood and who else? Because there was like, there's a few. Acolytes. You had the, the acolytes, acolytes in there. You yep. had Midian. Big boss um, man. You had Viscera. Big boss man. Um, because because after that happened, after Vince was, it was the corporate ministry. So you yeah. had all those guys. You had Ken Shamrock, um, Big Boss Man. You had, yeah, you had all those guys. That was part of the corporate uh, corporation, kind of merged with the ministry. As Stone Cold, well, uh, what about Stone Cold? Nothing. Because I don't like the ministry. You know, I know the ministry fell apart um, right at, um, let's see, what was the. I think it was 99 is when was they started Floyd, falling up. Wasn't it Floyd Loaded where where Undertaker and Stone Cold would face off and then that would be like the last time you would see the ministry? Yeah. Well, it also kind of fell apart because then you had the Job Squad group kind of coming in feud with the corporate ministry. Um, which is great. Yeah. I love the corporate ministry because you had Al Snow, you had um, uh, who else was in that the job squad? You had Crash Holly, Too Cool Scorpio, oh, I think, was in it. Yes, Too Cool Scorpio might have yeah. been in it, Big Show might have been in it. Jeez, man, that was that's crazy to think of how many people ended up being in that. Isn't that, isn't that where Shane Mag had his testicles um, fried by Kane? <laughs> or was it after? Oh, that was uh, just a question. That was, that was, yeah, okay, that was, so, yeah, that so, so Job Squad, you had Al Snow, Blue Meanie, Bob Holly, Gilberg, and Scorpio. Gilberg. Was the Job Squad. I forgot yeah. about Gilberg. <laughs> I mean, essentially AEW could do the same. Thing. Yeah, Brandon. Well, Brandon Cole is better than what he is right now, but. Got Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa, uh, Fuego, if he would come back. Um, Fuego. Yes. Which is crazy because, like you said, uh, Lane, like that fully loaded started, it started falling apart because it was at 99 that um, Undertaker had his match at WrestleMania with Big Boss Man, who at the time was still part of the corporate ministry, but because they had their inner fighting that him and Taker got heated and that's when Undertaker's like, I'll, all right, WrestleMania. And I think that was their um, Hell in a Cell match where the brood came down with the fake news. Was that the was that against Big Boss Man? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, somebody yeah. hung up. The fake news. I still and I think that was and I think news. that was the <laughs> very first Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania. It was 1999 against Big Boss Man. Yeah, I think you're right. You think about that visual, dude. Yeah. Think about the visual at the end of the match. And it was just everybody just looking at Boss Man hanging. That was like yeah. the craziest visual. That's the yeah. best way to hit a match. Jeez, <laughs> man. Like what, a, like, what a time. Like, that was like what is probably most edgy time. Oh, yeah. Like, he was like edgy. He was edgy taker. He was edgy. Yeah, edgy taker. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, and then, and then of course, you know, before I start talking about Kane and going in depth on the Brothers of Destruction, you can't forget about the American badass Biker Taker. That was my favorite version of Undertaker. Yep, I like, I like that. The I thought it was cool. 
he had two like when they brought him back as the motorcycle American badass. They did not bring back the actual theme song he used. He used Roland from uh, Limbo. I love Roland Melon. They used something off the wall that he never used. Uh, what was that? Uh, Raw thirty and was it mm-hmm. anniversary show? I was I tuned in to see that, and that was so disrespectful. Well, it's probably because they couldn't get the rights to the music again. Oh, they can get rights to anything. Well, well, well no, he actually came out. He actually came out to two different themes. He came yeah. out to Roland, and then he came out to American Badass by Kid Rock. Was yeah. that the one that had the dead man walking before? Yeah, because because yeah. and this is a funny thing because I love music, but if anybody knows this, Kid Rock's American Badass song is actually a um, riff off of "Sad but True" by Metallica. Really. So if you listen to Sad But True and the beginning of it with the do 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 that's it's it's sad but true. But Kid Rock did his American Badass as with the sample of that. Hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Huh. So yes, we got something new every day. That's why we have Adam. That's why you got me with my useless knowledge. But yeah, no, I I'm with Connor. I loved American Badass Undertaker. Loved it. Um, especially when he joined uh, the Americans to bat, like Christian and yeah. Tess and all them when they feuded with them. Like, oh, yeah. I loved it. I, um, it, it was one of my favorite characters ever. Um, just, and also just seeing him ride a motorcycle was just really awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because he oh, debuted man. that in 2000 at during the Rock Hunter Hearst Helmsley Iron Man match, he came out. Because didn't we'll get to probably Kane's history in a second here, but didn't Kane light him on fire in a casket? Then he disappeared for a little bit and then came back and reinvented himself. Yeah, 1998 US. Royal mm-hmm. Rumble, yeah, um, is when Kane and Paul Bear locked him in the casket, which he wasn't really in. Don't worry, people. He wasn't really what? burning the casket. Kayfabe, Adam. Kayfabe. Sorry, sorry. I know we talked about it last week. It's <laughs> it's dead, just like the Undertaker. Um, but no, it was it, they, they. You know, and then the axe, and then you know the the gasoline and lighting on fire. Which, by the way, they got in trouble with. What? Um, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if you guys ever ever watched the. Um, they had the documentary on Peacock where it's the Brothers of Destruction. They sit with Kane and, and, and Undertaker sit and talk about their, their their history with each other and basically how they also started on their own. But they talked about that match because they were worried um, with the fire marshal, with the flame. They're like, they, <laughs> they didn't want us to pour gasoline. They said they wanted us to just light it, but they didn't want us to pour a lot of gasoline because the fire marshal had an issue with it inside the building, and they didn't want the smoke to go all through the arena. And so, like, they talk about this, so it's, like, one of the craziest things ever, but it worked, and the visual of it was just awesome. Wow. So, speaking of Kane, 1997, you would have the brothers face off after The Undertaker killed he killed his family he thought he killed kane too so 1997 at bad blood kane would and paul bear would come to the ring kane would rip off the door one of the most iconic scenes of kane and tombstone the undertaker in the middle of hell in a cell what did you guys think of that when you guys first saw kane 
Like, what did you guys think about the whole like his 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 stance, the way that he walked like a monster, and of course, like more the rest in peace. <laughs> I think when you Sorry. first debuted, like when you first debuted, because they really hyped him up. You know, Paul Barra hyped him up, and like the way they were, the way they did it, I think was brilliant. His, you know, the whole thing when he just came out of nowhere, the explosion, Kane walks out, and then you hear those lines, "That's gotta be Kane," and like that right there, the, it built, the, it, it just kind of sealed the deal. And then with the look of him, and just the way he was walking to that ring, you knew that okay yeah okay that's that's kane that's the dude they've been talking about i see i see what they're talking about now and when he went in there and tombstone the undertaker i thought to myself oh this is going to be a great robbery this is going to be fun and i want to see what they were going to do with it how far they go with it how you know just just how far would they go that was like my first thought you know and looking at it too like they basically had what decades of a of a rivalry you know, looking at it, because you had, you know, the first moment, you know, 1997 at Bad Blood. And then at the Royal Rumble in 1998, that's when you thought Kane was coming out to save The Undertaker, which he did from Degeneration X. But then you would have where, at the end, where Kane would lock Undertaker in the casket, like Adam was saying, and lit that some bitch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that visual too, the the visual of it of Kane kneeling and doing like the hand thing, yeah, like it was the coolest visual I've ever seen. And I'm like, oh my god, they burned the Undertaker! Crazy, like just to look at, like you killed a man, my god, my well, he's god, still, he still lived, yeah, still right? lived, still lived, and became the American badass at that point. Am I correct? That no, right? so. What happened was that led to their match at WrestleMania. Oh right, yeah. So they he burned them alive, and then images started happening, and Undertaker finally returned and finally said, "All right, I'm going to face you at WrestleMania." That was WrestleMania 1998. That might have been my favorite WrestleMania out of all the WrestleManias. 1998 is by far my favorite because it had some of the best freaking matches. Um, because mm -hmm. you had Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels in the main event with Mike Tyson as his enforcer. Mike you had Ken Shamrock, Ken Shamrock versus The Rock uh, for the Intercontinental title. You had the return of Legion of Doom with Sonny. You had um, one of the coolest uh, lightweight matches between Taka Mishinoku and, um, oh my God, I keep forgetting his name. Um, well, let's just say it was one of the best lightweight matches. Uh, and then, obviously, you had Kane and Undertaker, which was the yeah. match that everybody wanted to see finally. They wanted to see these two guys go at each other, not knowing that Undertaker and Kane slash Glenn um, Jacobs have already wrestled each other in the past in independent promotions. Like, they've had three or four matches way before this Kane-Undertaker yes. storyline, which is great. But to put it at WrestleMania and finally beat him after three freaking tombstones. And he finally beats his brother and puts it to rest for the time being. <laughs> you know, and then you would see their first team up a little bit later where they would become a heel tag team. Um, remember, what, remember what year that was when he, they would go, where they were uh, basically in a handicap match where against Stone Cold Steve Austin trying to take the belt off Austin. That would have been 
99 or 90. That was 99. Yeah, yeah. 99. Yeah. Where Vince McMahon put the crazy stipulation that Undertaker cannot pin Kane and Kane cannot pin Undertaker for the championship. They had to pin Stone Cold. And of course, you had a really weird decision where both of them pinned Stone Cold at the same time. So, do you guys remember? You guys remember that? And like, was that bad booking or was that a, a fun storyline? Like, what was your like take on that on that um, storyline with Stone Cold? Don't you Whoever wants to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess uh, for me, I guess I, I I thought I was pretty funny storytelling, and. I thought, like, you know, for me personally, like, it made me laugh watching it. I was like, that's funny to me that it's funny. <laughs> you know, it makes it, you know, that would be a pretty funny um, instance. Um, for me, I thought it was an interesting storytelling because it gave us so many good moments on TV. Because after that, that was the infamous Undertaker on the Zamboni, or not under <laughs> Stone Cold on the Zamboni. Mm-hmm. Like that gave us that because he jumped over security and clotheslined Vince McMahon in the ring while Kane and Undertaker just stood there and watched. Like yeah. that was just and like it was great. And then finally, like it gave the story of Stone Cold finally having to beat both the brothers to even get his title back. Um, and it was kind of the end of the whole Austin versus McMahon storyline as well. And it just involved Kane and Undertaker. And then once that story ended, that's what gave us the Brothers of Destruction. You know, that's crazy to look at it because they would fight off ECW and WCW and the Evasion, and they would be the ones to unify the titles. Yeah. And then to look at from there, you know, they'd be separate after they would do their tag team run. They were separated for a few years, and then they would come back and do the same cycle all over again and this time have a you know buried alive match and then a hell in a cell match at you know so crazy to think about about what the, like crazy all the storylines involved the two because i think at one time didn't wasn't paul bearer supposed to be the, their real dad didn't happen yeah, it's that, yeah so it's very interesting like all the different dynamics with it i think even a comic book came out of it too so to look at their career, that's why, like, it's so hard to remember the Saudi Arabia match because oh, okay. I don't, I only count hmm. that as well. I'll try to forget. I'm like Chris when it comes to some things, but like, I try to like, teamed up and then we got Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Saudi not, money. That's not my Shawn Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> Saudi. That's but, not that's not my Shawn Michaels. That's not my Triple H. That's not my Kane, and that's not my Undertaker. That was Sorry, bootleg. that match was not my childhood. That was a, some bootleg. But, yeah, it was just like, hey, let's get nostalgia in Saudi Arabia. Yep. <laughs> so before we start talking about Shawn Michaels, because that's probably the biggest, um, probably his probably his biggest rivalry to date. And that big and probably like the most impactful storylines with those WrestleManias. So let me go through um, his list where he picked off at. Uh, so we talked about you know Psycho Sid, of course, um, at WrestleMania 13. Uh, WrestleMania 14 was against his brother Kane. Uh, 15. That's where we had a Hell in a Cell match, and he hung the Boss Man alive. Uh, 
Then at WrestleMania 17, he went up against Triple H in a singles match. I didn't realize this, but I didn't realize that he was in a no disqualification match against Ric Flair at 18. You guys remember that one? Yeah. 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 Um, that was basically the storyline of Ric Flair basically putting his role as co-GM, whatever, and basically resigning and giving Vince full control of GM and, and running stuff by himself to have this match with The Undertaker. And actually, that match was actually the first acknowledgement of Undertaker's streak. Really? Yeah. So it that's when that like, they start. Like, it, it, it was that, that it was, I think it was Rick that mentioned that. Like, Rick brought it into the storyline saying, at WrestleMania, I'm going to beat you and give you your first loss at WrestleMania because you've never lost at WrestleMania. Huh. That's crazy. So we got to acknowledged. So we got to thank Ric Flair for that, for starting the streak and making that such a legendary part of the Undertaker's career. Huh. I did not know that. Damn so meaning. just looking at it, like his matches. So WrestleMania 19, um, he defeated the big show in a train in a two on one handicap match. Uh, WrestleMania 20, he went back to facing Kane. Um, 21, Randy Orton. 2022, Mark Henry in a casket match. I'm curious how he fit Mark Henry in the casket because Mark Henry is a big man. Big enough. I probably get make him, remember? True. Also, the match against Randy Orton is the first time he was challenged at WrestleMania specifically for the streak. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. So explicitly. So since WrestleMania 2000 with uh, 21 with Randy Orton is when. Every WrestleMania after was his streak on the line. Wow, that's crazy. So he basically put his streak, and then there was a couple of championships between that two. Um, I know he, uh, 2023, beat Batista. 24, he beat Edge. And then, of course, yeah. that brings us to Shawn Michaels for WrestleMania 25 and 26. So... Those were iconic. Yeah. And yeah. just looking at it too, like how looking at it with um, their, because their first like big match, was it 1997? Was that when they did the first Hell in a Cell? Yeah, it was Bad Blood. Bad Blood 97. That's when that first big rivalry was in Hell in a Cell. You know, looking back at it, it was like the perfect way. Shawn Michaels at the time was probably, was he like the biggest heel during that time frame in 97 or was, um, yeah, just a- I would say so. I would say he's he was one of the biggest. Well, he was split because all the ladies loved him, but all the guys hated him. Yeah. Um, right. So, but he was the, he was supposed to be a heel back then because he at that point he was aligned with DX, but even DX was starting to get liked a little bit. Um. So he was kind of in in between. Um. But yeah, no, his yeah. So his time during then he was in between heel and face. So. If I remember correctly, wasn't it um, Survivor Series? No, no, it was SummerSlam, right? When that's when Shawn Michaels would cost um, the dead man the championship against Bret Hart. Is that where yeah. it all started, or am I missing something from there? Yeah, no, that's where that rivalry started. Uh, Shawn Michaels was the guest referee in that match against with Bret Hart and Undertaker, and Bret Hart spat in Shawn in Shawn's face, and he swung the chair and hit the Undertaker instead. 
and had a pin had to count the pin for Bret Hart. So that led to the match between him and and uh, 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 Undertaker. Yeah, bad blood, and that actually led to also, um, I believe, at that time after Kane debuted and cost Undertaker that match. That's the same year, the '97 match where. It was the infamous Montreal screw job. Oh, geez. Talk so about the same year. Bad blood, bad blood and the Montreal screw job were at the same year. No kidding. Yeah. So bad blood happened <laughs> first in October. Like, because bad blood happened in October. And then the following month, that was the infamous Montreal screw job. Because Sean had then had that WrestleMania match in 98 against Stone Cold. That's a right. bad year that year. Right, because like that's not even considering the Monday Night War going on behind all this. So he had a bad year. Right. Yeah. yeah, he had a pretty bad year. And then looking at you know, Michaels just kept the the heat going because then in 1998 at the Royal Rumble, he had faced Undertaker inside of a in a casket match, the WWE title on the line. And of course, Kane would like, going back. Kane would interfere in that match as well. Yeah, and that's actually the match that Shawn Michaels kind of broke his back a little bit. Oh, um, that's right. When was, yeah, 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 when casket, he tossed over yeah. the top rope and the casket kind of hit his back, and he was out for four years. Um, so, you know, but, you know, he returned in 2002. Um, so, but, yeah, no, that that match was, like I said, we've already talked about it with the infamous, you know, scene at the end. Yeah. Um, but, man, I, I know we're talking about it, and, I, I maybe, but that might be the two matches he had with Shawn Michaels at both WrestleMania 25 and 26. I mean, they were both almost 30 minutes long, um, and and they were just really good matches. They were yeah. it, it almost made you feel like it was the 90s again with those two matches. Yeah. You know, well, that rivalry they had in the 90s. Well, the thing about it, it's almost that same emotion with Shawn Michaels' last match. Well, supposed to be his last match um, at the time. But if you think about looking back on it, you know, having Shawn Michaels, you know, retire Ric Flair, have that same emotion as when Undertaker retired Shawn Michaels. The only thing I do like about how they brought back Shawn Michaels is it Undertaker brought him back wasn't just anyone like he had to bring him back like it couldn't have been like yes. someone else that's the only thing that was good about the whole situation no i agree yeah but like, do, do you think first met 25 their first match WrestleMania. Uh, i actually thought some was gonna win it because he had a lot of near falls and then that one scene with undertaker doing the suicide dive kind of and laying on a cameraman I don't know if that was a part of the show or if that was an actual cameraman that got in the way. That was pretty brutal. It was part of the show. Yeah. Because that cameraman took it. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, but just looking at the emotion where, you know, Michaels went on to win the Royal Rumble in 2007 just to do it and then almost damaging his relationship with his degeneration, you know, ex partner Triple H at the time, you know, and kind of. Being D- DX's at the time, their last ride. And then yep. to see Shawn Michaels get so close but lose it, you know? 
all those near falls, everything. Like that was probably one, two of the best WrestleMania matches in history. You want to know what Shawn Michaels should have done? What? Should have had a horn smoke on her ring on one side. X Pot, Billy Gunn, Road Dog. Oh my gosh. BX, <laughs> help him win. Um, Hornswoggle is technically a DX member. Yeah, but he's not recognized yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Honorary he's member, by the way, guys. Honorary he's member. He's the mascot. Mascot. Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he did join. I mean, Mike Tyson was a member too. Right? What was he? That's true. Tyson is a member. Yep. Yeah. Tyson was for a little bit Can't too. Yeah. Anyone with how short or tall they are. <laughs> well. <laughs> And then as we start to wind down here on The Undertaker's career right before the streak. So after he defeated Shawn Michaels, um, he would have WrestleMania 27 and 28, where he would go up against the game, Triple H. So the second one being the end of an era match where it was in Hell in a Cell and Shawn Michaels was the special guest referee. Shawn Michaels had done... Kind of like a dirty for his career, and like, like they would have had the iconic moment together. DX would have, yeah. But Raul, just that yeah, the visual of all three men really walking out it was supposed yeah, to be the out. end of the era. But that visual of the three Lincoln arms walking out and helping each other to the back, you know, that another very special moment. What you song know, was with, playing when they did that? There was I forgot the name of the song. I can't. They, they had. They. I think it was a. Uh, I want to say Johnny Cash. I don't know, but I'm trying to think what song Johnny. was. Playing. Was it? Was it? Um, I didn't think they were. I don't think they were having a song playing as they were leaving. I think they were just playing the Undertaker's theme, and they just hugged at the top of the ramp. It may have been. You know, uh, you know at the end of WrestleMania, well, they used to, like they would do like a big video package at the end of WrestleMania. Yeah, we show it. Like it was like ain't gonna hold my body down. Oh, oh, was, uh, yeah, I know what song you're talking about. I forget. I'm not. I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure if that's Johnny Cash. I don't think. That's no, that's Johnny Cash. Right? Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, that's Johnny song. Cash. Uh, ain't no grave. That's what. Yeah, it's, ain't it's no called. Yeah. Yeah, it's called ain't no grave. But I think he I used that. that yeah, but he used it for his like return theme for when him and Triple H wrestled at um, uh, in 2011's WrestleMania. Okay, yeah, because, okay, you're right. Because that he came on and then he was about to talk and then Triple H returned. Yeah. And that's pretty much when they established they were gonna wrestle each other. Yep. So and then Connor's favorite homeboy. Um at WrestleMania twenty nine, <laughs> he would defeat CM Punk. And probably one of CM Punk's I had to say one of his it wasn't like a letdown match at all, but I feel like it was underrated. I think especially yeah. the time with being the summer of punk and that whole mess and having basically he should have been the main event that year with Taker. He really should have been. But what, I feel like it was kind of overshadowed that night. The, was yeah. it Rock and Cena? It was, was I think it was Rock and Cena one, yeah. Yeah, it was Rock and Cena yeah. first. Either one of them could have been the main event. Uh, I, I don't know. Because uh it's hard to believe that the match that drew the most money in WWE history was Cena and Rock. Here's the most money above every single match. So, hmm. but I can't comment on how good the match was or wasn't because I got out of wrestling by then. <laughs> I, I, I was gone. When it was I, pretty. It was good. What what yeah. what year was this? Wrestling. Twenty thirteen. I was. Yeah, I think it was twenty thirteen. Yeah. I may have been watching. I don't know. Whenever Brock Lesnar came back, like the night he came back, I was out. 
<laughs> I can't remember what year that was. I can't remember what year that was. But yeah. It was the one where he came back and beat up John Cena. When, once he was, that was that there, Monday. I'm out. I tried watching TNA. I'm out. He just gave up on wrestling and that. Yeah. Like he but, said no, many times. I, I was, Connor, I was with you there. As soon as CM Punk left, I stopped watching WWE. And then, like, I didn't even care for CM Punk at the time. <laughs> for so, uh, uh, but as I grew older, I liked a lot of wrestlers I didn't like back then. Uh, <laughs> but for some reason, I don't know why, but once Brock Lesnar came back, I was out. Like what? Like, like once he came back that the same night that uh, it was after WrestleMania, probably possibly he uh, yeah, that was that Monday, I think. I was I was out, and then I got back into wrestling when Brock Lesnar was world champion. So. Yeah, I wish I would have experienced yeah. going to CM Punk and WWE. You know, and I, that's where I became a wrestling fan was because of CM Punk. That's why I give him a lot of credit for and have a lot of respect for him because he was the one that kind of sold me on the, the product besides Orton and, and Christian. You know, and then looking at, you know, that match Undertaker should have been a dream match, but I feel like, you know, he was, a little, I think that's when his frustrations were really starting to kick in. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But after, also after that, yeah. I was gonna say uh, after that match, uh, you know he got a really good title run, lost to Rock, Mr. Undertaker, and after that, that was pretty much it. I think yes, yeah, because he would shortly leave after his Shield match in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, because like um, they wouldn't do it. Like they had him against like Corporate Kane, and they put him against. It was like that the authority Shield, like that was back. that was that one uh funny meme when you will see that C upon was laughing at Triple H or something with the, with the authority. Yeah. And he wasn't doing yeah. anything. So I mean the best thing he did before he left was the shield, I guess. Yeah. Well so yeah, so he would go up against uh CM Punk, of course he'd win. And then the next year, that brings us to next week's episode, where the beast incarnate will Try to challenge and defeat the streak. So next week on Talking Elite is part two, and we'll be doing a deep dive into the career of the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Um, so we will be doing a live recording next Thursday for that as well. Um, so like I said, this was last week for a while. We'll have to do a pre-recorded, but next week we will do live. So make sure you guys join us um, in the comment section. Um, for next week as well, so you guys can talk along as we discuss probably one of the craziest big guys in professional wrestling. You know, yeah. looking at it, Brock uh-huh. has had probably one of the craziest careers almost of any wrestler out there, and I'm excited to do a deep dive into his career. And then part three, we'll be discussing the ending of the streak on the impact it had on us as wrestling fans, some of the rumors behind it. And then we'll also discuss kind of where, kind of like where the streak, whether the streak should have ended or if it should have kept going. You know, should the Undertaker retired of, you know, defeating the streak? Because after that, you know, kind of had a rocky couple matches with Roman Reigns and, you know, wasn't wasn't really the best send off for the Undertaker. So we'll be discussing that uh, for the next couple of weeks. So we thank you guys so much uh, for joining us for Talking Elite on our part one of ending the streak. So make sure you guys hit the bell down below. Make sure you guys subscribe, get notified for when we go live and uh, post our podcast. 
I'd like to say thank you again to my panel. Thank you, Connor, Adam, and Mr. Jacobs. It was a pleasure speaking with you guys tonight. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we close off? No. Other than uh, probably one of my favorite careers ever is The Undertaker. So I loved his whole character and his whole career in professional wrestling. It was awesome. Yeah. I would have something else to say, but I can't say it. Go ahead. I was going to say, the one thing I'm looking forward to is something I can't say, which has to be done at the end (laughs) of the show, uh, which you'll see in this minute. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, he's like the main reason I became a wrestling fan, so I owe all that to Taker. uh... You know, a lot of people, Mr. Jacobs, you know, a lot of people are in that same boat where, you know, just that figure, just a dead man, Really, that a, a gimmick and a character that should not work, but Mark Calloway, respect to the legend, made that work and made a, a lot of us wrestling fans. So, uh, thank you, Mark, for everything that you've done for our wrestling business. I feel like this is a good way to sign us off. So, we thank you, Mark, and we'll be discussing next week Brock Lesnar. So, stay tuned. Thank you again to my wonderful panel, and thank you guys so much for listening. Leave a comment below what your favorite Undertaker match was. And we'll see you guys next week for part two of Ending the Streak. And good night.